ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão é um culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão que eu tenho explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Befiga podcast, episode number 278. After a week uh, off or international break, here we are to discuss the very latest and greatest about uh, Befiga now that we're on a top uh, spot. Don't sound um, too excited. With me tonight, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano Oliveira, these are our senhores. What's going on? Senhores, tudo bem? E as senhoras? Vamos falar com ela? Também. Também. Senhoras, como é que é? Bem-vindo. And uh, up in the great white north, Mr. Steve Santos. What's going on, everybody? And uh, Mr. Uh, David Oliveira, our stats, uh, stats master. Stats guru. Hey, the eagle has landed. We're back on top. Love <laughs> the guy's name. Literally. Um, before before we, we get going, I, I just, um, on, on, a, on a serious note, um, I wanted to... Uh, acknowledge a, a loss to the to the Benfica family uh, if you guys don't know who I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, Carrie Souza she was a part of this uh, Twitter uh, Benfica uh, community that's created that the podcast has helped create that a lot of people have have helped bring along um, I didn't know Carrie personally uh, but uh, I did have some interactions with her on Twitter she seemed very loving uh, gracious uh, caring uh, person and uh we're very sorry for the loss to uh both uh families kevin and obviously uh carrie's family um so uh just we wanted to dedicate this uh podcast uh, to her uh and i'm sorry that it's we're starting off on on a somber note but i, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge uh the loss it's a it's a huge loss especially at a, at such a young age and we're uh we're saddened by uh by the news and uh much like everybody, very uh, shocked by uh, everything that, uh, how things developed. So anyway, this one's for Carrie. Carrie, you will be missed. Uh, I'm sorry that you're did not going to get a chance to, to see Benfica celebrate uh, more championships, but uh, I'm sure that wherever you are, you'll get to celebrate them your own way. Uh, so anyway, um, here we are, uh, episode number 278. Oh, you want to talk football after that, bro? Yeah, I mean, I, you know. It, it, it's a weird transition here, but uh, you know, I, I had to acknowledge as the Benfica family is uh, is poor yeah. as a result. Um, on tonight's podcast, uh, we will look back at Benfica's performance against Guimarães, Benfica's game against Guimarães this past weekend. Uh, we'll look ahead to next weekend's game, this weekend's game actually against Stubel at the Bonfim, and if we have some time, we'll look at uh, the April schedule. For all three teams and see what's still yet to be played. Six games left in the league. Uh, the other two teams have uh, one more game and the other team has couple, three more games. So uh, it's we'll, we'll break that down. So um, I'll give you the lineup real quick uh, against Guimarães. And, and this is a, a lineup that hasn't changed much. It seems like uh, Rui Vitoria has found the, the magic formula, if you will. Varela was in goal. And, um, André Almeida, Ruben Dias, Jardel, Grimaldo uh, across the back. Face Pizzi, Zivkovic in the midfield triangle. Rafa on one wing, Servi on the other wing. And Jonas 
up front. Salvio is back, back uh, although perhaps not at 100%. Uh, he is back, uh, but it, it doesn't look like uh, Rafa's slowing down, Steve. Uh, no, I, he, I, I would have to say that the majority of the players that play behind Jonas, even Jonas himself, may have not had their best game uh, in this match. Uh, but for the most part, Rafa was was quite decent. I mean, it seemed like everybody was was just missing a little bit when when they got into the final third um but for me right now half has got his got his spot really down i, I don't think salvi is gonna is gonna steal it that easily uh, i would have to take an, an a, amazing performance from salvi or an awful one from from Hafa at this point um i remember where we mentioned it but if if you go all this time basically boosting Rafa's ego to the point that he's finally now where he looks like he's playing within himself, uh, no pressure, just playing his own football, uh, to, to just drop him and, and and bring in Salvio out of the blue would be would be quite harsh on him and, and his confidence. So I don't see that happening that quickly. Um, but there, if there's one area that, that Salvio definitely has an edge on, on Rafa, that's that's that finishing that 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 little bit of calmness around the goal, whether it's for the final pass or for the shot on net. It seems like he's got that over him for sure. So, who knows if it if it comes down to it and and and, and times are tight, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Salvi comes in at like the seventieth minute and if we need a goal or something like that. Yeah, just to just to to bring those expertise in that uh, Hafa seems to be lacking. Yeah. Let me talk a little bit about the game. Uh, uh, Guimarães played uh, very tight in the back. As a matter of fact, Pizzetto was the last coach to have won uh, for the league at Stade Luz when he was uh, at the helm at Porto. Uh, so he, he knew very well uh, of what uh, the strengths of Benfica, what the weaknesses of Benfica. And I think that for the most part, they did a good job, uh, especially in the first half, closing down, staying compact, trying to, to take advantage of Rafinha. Uh, uh, speed to get on a counter, and they they threatened a couple times uh, in the first half, uh, and then uh, they we scored one, but the VAR that's right, called it back. That's right, and then we uh, we had that penalty. Which look, <laughs> no matter which way you look at it, and some people may call it soft. To me, it's it's a penalty all day when your arm is not in a natural position and it's uh, adding volume uh, to your body, regardless of whether the ball uh, goes against your arm or not, that's a penalty all day. Uh, I mean, a guy could be standing in front of the goal, arms outstretched, somebody shoots it, it hits him in the arm. It doesn't mean that the arm hit the ball. It was the ball that hit in the arm. Still, you're incre increasing the volume of your body. Uh, therefore, that's a penalty all day. All day. And I think that what, what helped the call is the fact that uh, Jonas is right behind that player. So if that the ball doesn't strike that player's hand, there's a chance that Jonas can can get that ball. I think that if that ball is actually headed and it's going uh for 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 a goal kick, oh I don't think he calls a penalty because I, I, nobody has a chance to play that ball. To me it's a penalty. I mean clear penalty. I don't care if there's any somebody behind them, somebody in front of them, somebody on top of them. I could care less. He was by his lonesome in the box, jumping with his arm in a forward position in front of his face. I mean, absolutely no business having his arm there. So to me, when I originally saw when I saw the play, I, I started screaming. I said, that's, that's a penalty. So I'm glad they call it. There's incidents where 
you know, a guy's looking one way, the ball hits him. You know, you can make a case in certain instances, but I think in this one, I think it was clear as day. To me, like you said, his arm is in, in you know, was in an unnatural position. And therefore, you know, he, he stopped the ball. He's just, I never understood jumping up like this. I, it doesn't make no sense. Yeah. And for those of you that are not watching the video, you know, obviously make a, like, show your little muscle in your arm and <laughs> put your arm in front of you. That's exactly what he did. And it, it made absolutely no sense to me. So, yeah. Right call. Um, and I'm glad that the referee saw it and the VAR confirmed it. So yeah, absolutely. So Bifiga goes into the half uh, up one nothing. Uh, again, uh, second half came out. Uh, perhaps uh, again struggling uh, to penetrate. Some lack of uh, speed in the final third. Um, I know Steve, you had a chance to to watch the game again uh, yesterday, or actually watch it for the first time uh, yesterday. So you're a little bit more. Uh, you, you, your memory is a little bit more vivid. Um, talk to us about you know what what is it that Benfica is missing uh, to to be able to penetrate uh, uh, these teams that set up shop uh, in the final third. Uh, honestly, I don't. I thought in the first 20, 25 minutes we we looked good. Uh, we were able to to break down the, them in in the final third. We were creating some decent chances. I think that. Just the guys that are, are are normally those guys that create the imbalances, that, that create the mismatches, they were just having an off day. I mean, Zivkovic rarely was able to, to attract um, Marcus towards him to um, to basically bring somebody out towards him so that there's a space behind them and he can he can find the open man, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that's one of his strong suits, and it's something that throughout the game you saw very little of. Um, that's what I thought was missing the most on our part. Um, I think Guimarães were very content to not leave, to vacate that space. Uh, I think up until the 60, 65th minute, you saw Guimarães that had no intention of coming out to press us had no intention of really playing any kind of football out from the back or anything like that. It was always um, trying to see, like you said earlier, if, if they could use Hafinga's pace, see if he could maybe isolate him on on an on a early ball with one of our center backs. But uh, even then, those things were, those situations were, were quite rare. And when they did happen, credit to, to Jardel and Ruben Diaz, who, who for the most part, um kept that at bay uh for me the real thing it was just one of those games where the players that that make the difference the the players that um really make you better than a Range weren't able to pull the rabbits out of the hat that they normally could uh and, and i think we saw that up until the goal that was the biggest rabbit out of the hat i mean um that goal was it comes from a moment where Guimarães are finally ready to come out and attack and try to get us on a counter, and we win the ball back off them quickly, and we're going straightly straight right back down the throat, and that's where, at that moment, uh, Zivkovic finally gets that little bit of traction in the player, and then, and then lays it off to um, yeah. to uh, Raúl, who does. That Rabona, or what, what's the other way you guys say it? Litra. Litra. Why is it Litra? I don't. Could you explain? 
I don't know. I don't know what the terminology comes out of, but I, I think that's what they call it because yeah. it's almost like you're writing in cursive because you're kind ah. of like twisting. Yeah, putting a, that's probably exactly it, man. L probably behind, yeah. you're bringing an L yeah. behind. A so L. You it looks like you're making that's some kind exactly of a letter. It. Yeah, you bring yeah, an yeah. L. And swap, yeah. That's if you went that's to exactly that's how they teach you how to do the L's. You yeah, remember, that's I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. the 60s. No, no. They taught you that in grammar school. In the 60s, 60s. no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's exactly uh, it. I know, yeah, I, that, that's where I that's where I, yeah. I'm making sense that's of it. it. I don't know if there's uh, if anybody knows if Schwan Gomes is up, no, yeah. that's what it is. He will know. That's what it is. One leg going one way, then the other yeah, one, yeah, and the, the L comes over. Yes, it is. Yeah, because they don't even they don't even call it that in Spain. I think that's a very unique term only to Portuguese. Portuguese football. So anyway, well, um, look, I'm going to jump in here. Because, go ahead. Because I've had this this conversation with this guy to my left and Dave was, was part of the conversation as well. Steve, and you weren't here, but you asked him what, what you know, about the difficulties that Benfica had in this game and, and, and what could have changed and yada, yada. And, and, and I said this a couple of weeks ago and I know I'm a big believer in those. What's not broken. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Kind of. But Steve, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if you uh, had the privilege of listening to myself and Alfredo on your way to work or not. Uh, I told him not to waste his time. Okay. But uh, <laughs> it, 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 to me, right, it's another game that once Benfica makes that substitution, brings in the second striker, they get a little bit more breathing room. And all of a sudden, they start attacking a lot more. They start becoming a lot more dangerous. And I know you're a big fan of the 4-3-3, uh, as am I. But I've always been a fan of 4-3-3 with the right players more so than the system itself, right? Uh, but that being said, another game, Raul comes in, changes the whole game because it allows Jonas to come back and play the ball and, and get into free space rather than having a guy on his back constantly 24-7 because now you got to worry about Raul because he's a guy that has tremendous movement, never stands still. So... I've said this before, and if you weren't listening, I'll, I'll rephrase it. And for those that didn't listen, I'll, I'll say it again. I think that Benfica should maybe consider, Ruby Torre Benfica should consider maybe switching back to a 4-4-2 rather than a 4-3-3. Servi's dropped his level. Yes, he's not playing at the same level he was at one point. And I think Benfica are creating a lot more chances compared to the 4-3-3. Therefore, I want to make this change earlier rather than it being too late because I understand that Raul's been the super sub and every, you know things have worked wonderfully, right? Everything's coming out roses when he comes off the bench. But I'm scared of that one game that is 0-0 in the 60th minute and he comes out, you just you can't crack the barrel. It just is tough. So uh, where do you stand on that, Steve? Do you still stick with the 4-3-3? Would you maybe reconsider 4-3? Because at the time, I understood the team needed that injection of another midfield. But right now, I think the team plays better with that second striker. Where do you stand on this? Um, disagree. Uh, for me, I think the team's playing probably uh, the best football I've seen it play under Rui Vitoria with the 4-3-3. Uh, I think you're, you're taking... The four four two as the only variable, the only context of, of what's going on uh, at said moment in the match. Just this past game, um, Vitoria Guimarães finally decided that they, they were going to vacate the space a little bit and and try to and try to come and and get the goal that they would have needed to tie the game. Just moments uh, before the goal. Um, but Steve, I'm I not talking about this one game. No, I know, I know. Over I, the last four, know that, five, six games. In all those four, five, six games, I felt that we were still creating chances. I didn't feel like we were being 
bogged down by the other team. I didn't feel like we looked hopeless. I th- honestly think the 4-4-2 and the bringing on Raul, who's a player that regardless if you're going to give him 20 minutes or 90 minutes, he's going to give you the same output. Uh, he's going to play at a different speed, a different intensity than anyone will be able to counter, or not anyone, but at the, the, vast time, major- at, the, at the time of the game also. The, the vast majority of the players on the pitch, uh, especially in the teams that are not Port Benfica, Sporting, Port, uh, Sporting Braga, those players, when... A player like Raul comes in with the physical attributes that he has, the mentality that he has with only 20 to 30 minutes left. It's a big game changer, especially when for the first 60, 70 minutes, you're seeing less and less of the ball. Uh, Benfica's crowding you out in possession, keeping you penned in. I think the moment you have... Raul there with Jonas, you lose some of that possession. You lose some of that. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking okay. for? That ing- you you lose the things that I said earlier. Raul pulls that rabbit out of the hat today, me- but the other sixty minutes he may lose the ball when you need to keep that team penned in. You cannot lose it. You need to re- recycle possession. You need to go from one end of the pitch to the other just because one side's overloaded and Raul doesn't have that mentality to yeah. to know when to step on the ball and see what's around him and look at everything else. Uh, I, I think Raul as an accelerator, as, an, as a game changer, well, agitator, is perfect. That's what, uh, right, what let, let me pose the question in another way. Right? Sure. You do agree that Benfica is at its best when Jonas is involved in the play and at his best, correct? And he's at his he's been at his best with the 433. My my opinion, we, he's okay, been we, at his best. I guess we see the game different because I disagree on that. But because I mean it's it's you could tell it's totally different. The team itself is totally what? different when you get that second strike and is moving he's involved and and more so than having his back to the goal and waiting to get the ball and ca- I, I think Benfica is way better when Jonas is playing as that false nine rather than the sole guy up top. That's my opinion. But that's fine. So there's no point in even going further because obviously we don't see the, the game the same way. So no, you I, I rather stick to where it's at. I'm 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 a guy that I, I, I want to see my best player, my most effective player, be where he's most comfortable. I've always been one of those that I want to put players, and we've no, had this absolutely, conversation. Absolutely, I want to put players where they're comfortable, and 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 it's not, it's not. It, I'm not not like how do I put it? I'm not sitting here and. Uh, praising Jimenez because I think he's not. Oh, the guy, what he, yeah, he pulls stuff off sometimes. Like, what the hell? And then he misses sitters. I get it, but it's more of I think the team overall, and I think Jonas over because I think they think it's better when Jonas is more involved than just sitting up top and waiting for the ball. So, I, I guess think we look when at we're different. playing well with the 4 3 3, Jonas is involved. Uh, I don't think for me, I don't think Jonas has ever looked uncomfortable, uh, in the 4 3 3. Especially when we're playing well. Uh, when we're playing well, Jonas is not markable. He's he's not sitting there in between the center backs. He is withdrawn. And then you'll have Servi running past him. You'll have whoever running past him. He'll spread the ball wide and arrive late in the box. I, I, I disagree. I think Jonas has been uh, really good since we switched to the 4-3-3, where a lot of people were expecting him to 
do what you thought he was going to do and try to occupy center backs, play with his back to goal. And when he's forced to do that, sure, sometimes he might look not as good as he normally is. But when he's when we're playing well and we're and he's able to drop off those center backs because we have a good constant possession, because now that's where he's gone to look for the space. I think it's the best football he's he's played for us, really. I I I've, I think since the four three three has come along, since we've turned the the year from January to now, I do not think under Rui Vitoria we've ever played anywhere near as well as we you, have. You now. think you think this year's I Jonas? Agree. You think you guys think this year's Jonas is better than first year Jonas? Yep. I mean, uh, look, 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 look. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll take this. We'll take this. Yeah, this chance to to on, throw but... out some some numbers that Dave has so kindly done the research for us. So 150. This, sorry, not this. This year is in 2018. Yes. 150 games for Jonas played so far. Uh, he scored uh, just this past weekend. He scored his 32nd and 33rd uh, goals. In 32 games, uh, so that's uh, quite a, a feat. He, he tied uh, Mats Magnussen uh, for most goals in the league uh, so far, and he still has six games to go. Only Eusebio has scored more than 33 goals in one season for Benfica. 1973, 40 goals in 1968, 42 goals. Uh, so that this is, I, I mean, when 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 you talk about is this the best Jonas? Uh, I think that you you have we all know Jonas's technical ability but I think that I, the one thing that perhaps you can grade him on on whether he's been better than one season or another is his goal output yes. and, and I know that last season scored, he had he had some he injuries 31 2 years ago when he had another guy next to him that scored 20 there's is there even a guy on this roster with double digits except him is there Dave? I don't, I don't is know there another guy I don't think there's another guy with double digits and goals in the league at least you have, no, to probably remember, not. you have to remember, he had 31, and Mitrogul had 20-something himself. Yeah. This guy is the only guy scoring for. So on the goal output, yeah, you guys are correct. I mean, 33 goals with six to go, goal output. I, I'm sorry. Well, he has not, <clears throat> two years ago, my man was not only scoring, he was creating. Well, he, he was, he's still he's doing but, all but that. He's, you know, we, but not to the level he did two years but, ago. But let's look, at the support, the let's look at the supporting cast exactly. that he also had on those on those seasons. You know, different supporting. Play with. I uh, all right. So, so I'll ask you this question: Out of all three uh, seasons that Rui Vitoria spent at Benfica, do you consider this one to be the strongest no, Benfica team? No, but that doesn't take away from the way he played. Doesn't take away from the fact that he's I, we. I could turn it around and say he's not creating this year because his teammates are. But that just makes right, it more I, impressive that he didn't no, ha doesn't I, have the supporting cast and he's able to create to I, have such output. I won't argue his goal tally. He's got 33 goals. That's more than he did two years ago. So I can't. That's obviously I'm not dumb. I'm not going to argue that. Can't argue that. His goal output is better than what it was two years ago. Fine. I'll give you that. I thought he was I, I thought he was a better player at that time because he was getting more involved. He, again, look at his assist. He probably had a lot more assists playing with Mitro. He's playing two straight. I think he was more involved in the game. He was more decisive two years ago than he is this year. This year. He's scoring goals and he's involved, but not to the. I think he plays a lot better when he has another guy and he has a guy to pretty much one two off and play off up top. I just I, I see things differently. Look, I don't know. Cristiano, I, I thought two years ago he was spectacular. This year, he's, look, he's scoring. The guy's tremendous. He's bottom line, bottom line is that goals win games, and Jonas has scored a lot of them this year, and he's gotten I, a I, lot of wins. Eight consecutive wins for Benfica. 
Uh, after 28 games, it's the first time this season Bifik has had sole possession of first place in the league. With with the inclusion of another creator in, in the midfield with this 4-3-3, whether it was Krovinovic or whether it's Zivkovic, Jonas's inputs do not have to come in as often. He's not going to have to see the ball as many times as he did before. It's it's the quality of what comes out of uh, his possessions that is important and that is really the difference maker for this guy. I mean, the guy, every time you get him the ball, whether it's going to end up in the back of the net or into a teammate's feet in a better position than when it first started, it's always coming out Bro, in a better I position. What you guys watch? You got guys at the beginning of the year hitting us up here on the podcast talking about he should be benched, and we laughed it off. I said twenty eighteen. But still, this year I'm kind of I, I give you twenty eighteen from I'm since four three, 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 three three. I get it. Four three three. I think about, the look, quality of his the play has three been in, in, in October. It wasn't in January. Okay. So it was the, in October, but it, it has progressed for us. Is what. Porto and game in December. And it progressed when Zivkovic went in because I thought Zivkovic was better than what, and as good as Krovinovic was. I thought Benfica was actually playing better with Zivkovic in that position because I thought he, he spread the ball around a little bit more. But whatever, they're both fantastic players. But don't act like all of a sudden the magic came on in January. We're playing a 4-3-3. October we started. That's that's I, I, two I, months look, into the season. I have to agree with Steve. This is the Benfica, the best Benfica I've Fine, seen. Fine, I'm not arguing. I, I mentioned Jonas specifically. I didn't say Benfica on the Vitoria. I said Jonas specifically. And when my best player is more comfortable playing a certain way, I suit the players. Chris, I make you, players comfortable. But, but you, we disagree on that. That's fine. That's what makes this fun. Here's here's your my counter argument. Do you ever feel that maybe Jonas, in previous systems and previous tactical setups with previous players, had to do more and more often than he currently does? And that's why he looked better and more. What? what uh, more involved because of the system. He had to be more I, involved. I, I, I must be blind. I don't. We must be watching different games. I think. What I think he's asking Joe, you? I think. I'm asking. I'm asking you. If asking you, think you. That, I, I think. I think he did more before than he does now. That's what I'm saying. Because the tell system you. allowed him to be more involved. Because yes. the system forced him to be more involved. But you guys just argued that those rosters were better. But now you tell him he's forced. To me, he was better before. But, but you but don't. This year he's you, supposed to do more because but, he got less to play but, with. But you don't judge Jonas solely uh, on goals. No, I don't. You judge you judge uh, him on play. his involvement uh, because I, he's so got the, the feet to organize and get players right. involved. So the Absolutely. system in in seasons past have allowed him to be more involved. This season, because of the four three three, he's less involved in your eyes. So yes. that makes him that makes him less of a factor for you. Yes, of a. Jonas is the type of player that you, you look at Ronaldo, where Ronaldo turned out to be today, right? When he's not scoring goals, not doing much else, right? And Jonas is not at that level yet, but there's games where he's totally annihilated. And then he shows up in the 28th minute, he scores a goal, creates a chance. He did nothing for the previous 20 minutes. And I want my guy involved. I want my best player involved. That's what I'm trying to say. Has he been effective? Oh, without a doubt. The numbers speak for themselves. 33 goals. He had 31. So, I mean, even a dummy could do math. He's been more effective. This Fine. I'm not going to argue that. I'm talking about as far as getting involved in the game and creating chances for other players. I don't think he's been at the level he was two years ago. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, look, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Look. He's got 33 goals and what? Eight, six, uh, seven assists. I bet you had double-digit assists along with his 31 goals two years ago. 
I understand. I understand what you're saying. That's you, all I'm saying. The way you we judgment is his level of involvement. Dude, I need look. We're not talking about a guy who's a Cardozo. Stay up there. We'll get you the ball. I wasn't expecting Cardozo to do nothing but score goals. So my judgment on him was, is he scoring? Is he putting away opportunities? Fine. Where Then they always have the second striker where you expect them to come back. And I, I do Based on who you are is what I base my expectations on. Chris, oh, I, I, think, I, get it. I think you're, you're, you see Jonas as the only striker and you're thinking that he's only doing one thing but he's he's not just sitting up there and scoring goals man that's not what he's been doing i i will agree with you that he doesn't see the ball as often you can't as, argue with me that, he, that he doesn't drop back a lot more once he gets another guy along there with him up top with him yeah but you he has to vacate that. that space dude my point exactly that's what i like that's my point yeah but when he's when he's further away from goal less of a chance he has to score goal but he's creating opportunities and opening up space for other dudes. But he's creating opportunities for for who? For who? He's been working for Jimenez. He's been our super sub. Everybody. Yeah, but nobody. You just said nobody has double digits. I, I, I'm willing to bet. So him dropping is not helping anybody get to those double digits. Makes him a better player though. Any scoring, if he can. Chris, I, I look at the, go look at five out of the last six games, right? With the exception of oh, yeah, four nothing, five nothing victory, couple games. Go look. The games opened up once he got that second striker into the game. It opened up, and that's the way I look at but it. But Chris, you gotta maybe you're not looking at the fact that that's what the game needed at that time. Okay. Not necessarily uh, what the game needed to, from. I get what you're saying. That's fine. Huh? I get what you're saying, and and there's oh, there's been an argument here that the teams that Benfica has played against, or the majority of the teams that Benfica plays against, it warrants us to have a second striker because the teams are inferior. We need to break them down. Look, that, that's been an argument for the longest time. But that second striker didn't help us. So Did it help us? No, not in the beginning of the season. But no. so when you say that you want No, you, but I but I but I started this con I started this question to Steve that it went along my 10 minute speech was at the time I we we sat here like we even discussed should they go to a four three three? We discussed all that, right? And but then once it started working, we all agreed, yo, this <clears> this is working. And I agreed with it. Well, but the way the way the games have turned out over the last month and a half or so, it, it begs the question. That's I'm just asking a question now. Whether you think they should play a four through three or four four, that's fine. We're all entitled to that, and just like we're all entitled to our own opinion on whether Jonas plays better or not, with alone up top or whatever, that's fine. But I just I'm asking questions, man. This is what we do here. I got look. I got uh, I got a couple of factors that I could add to this. Uh, one is, is as you mentioned that you like to see your your the guys that are, are influential involved in a game. When you got a guy that's like Korvinovic sitting on the bench that could be influential. And he was the, the one of the sole reasons why we changed to the four three three. Then there's that point. Then there's guys that only come in and and look. I hate to just specify this to Raul. There's guys that that's that's their that's their role. They come in and with the energy and with with some of what they're seeing from the outside are able to go in and find the holes. Totally understand. I've always said it. I've always said it. It's a lot sometimes. Believe it or not. It's a lot easier to come off the bench right. than it is to start. Let's uh, let's turn our attention now to the to the Stubble game that comes up uh, this Saturday, three thirty local. Stubble is currently thirteenth, uh, uh, twenty eight points from six wins, ten ties, uh, twelve losses at home, five wins, six ties, three losses. Uh, they have lost to what Sportivo das Aves, Guimarães, and Porto. Uh, have uh, they have allowed a total of fifty goals 
That is the second worst defense in the Liga Nosh this year. Uh, last time uh, Benfica won in Stubel was December of 2015. And I'll give you the, the last 10 between the two teams. Seven wins for Benfica, two draws, one loss. The last uh, five at the Bonfim, two wins, two draws, and one loss. Uh, last season, Benfica, last season, Benfica lost one nothing to Stubel. This season, at the Luz, six nothing goes from Luizão, Jonas Tuz, Salvio, and Andre, uh, Salvio, Andre Almeida, and Zivkovic uh, were the scorers of uh, those six goals. Um, not, uh, I don't think this is a very difficult uh, uh, game uh, for 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 Benfica on paper. Uh, Stubel still has uh, still has quite a bit to, to play for. Then they're not entirely safe yet uh, from the relegation zone. Even though I mean they're still within a few points of the relegation zone, but the teams that they have uh, underneath of them are probably not teams that are capable of of runs. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they're coached by um, by Pedro Teo's uh, great grand grand Cusain. nephew. <laughs> Pedro Teo's grand nephew. Uh, Coseiro and uh, uh, you know I, I do rate Coseiro as a, as a coach he's an intelligent guy and he, he may just like Pizzero may very well set up the team uh, in a way uh, to help his sporting as we know he's a sporting fan and uh, so uh, not a not a difficult Befica, uh, game on paper for Benfica but nonetheless um, I think that Benfica needs to remain focused and they need to keep their run going. In a game that the, the, the Vitória Stubel, I guess, hierarchy president, whomever, decided to ban all Benfica apparel in the stands. Why, well. don't, so, why don't we hear this about blue shirts and, and green striped shirts when the, those games come up? Why is it always Benfica? I, I, I would just dare to guess that maybe they don't travel as well as we do. I'm guessing. I mean, <laughs> I mean I, I'm afraid that, that's a question for them. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure those guys don't pack the stands. I mean, I know that what the, the blue team had what 4,000 traveled south this week for the game on Monday and they made a big party because it was 4,000 traveling. Like, yeah. Whippy and the stadium was empty. Uh, we obviously packed stadiums, so I'm, I'm yeah. assuming that's the reason why. I don't know. Look, I get it. I mean, the bancada por sausage, uh, they don't want uh, to see Benfica jerseys in the sausage bancada. And, and, and let's let's not forget, this is a bancada for sausage that perhaps gets one, two thousand people in there on a normal game, but now all of a sudden you got Benficistas that are probably sausages of Vitória de Stubel, and now they can't wear their jerseys. So I and, think you're a paying customer, you as long as you're not butt naked, come in whatever the hell you want to wear. I mean, I, it's I'm entitled to wear whatever the hell I want to wear. So if, if you sold me a ticket and I want to come in with the the opposition's colors, what the hell's a banana the suit? That, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> that wouldn't be an ugly. That wouldn't be a pretty sight, I should say. Banana hammock. Yeah. So uh, last, uh, not too long ago in December, Benfica played uh, Stubel for the Tasa CTT. I think that was the last game of of their uh, the round stage. Uh, which, the group stage and Benfica tied two two and Stubel wound up advancing, correct? I think Stubel. Uh, yeah, I, or, I, I, I don't even. I think Stubel. Yeah, that was the one that uh, João Carvalho had that uh, magical goal. I think against Stubel, if I'm not mistaken. His one goal. I mean, I could you guys not remember his one goal. The one similar to what he scored for the national team not too long ago. Oh, that one of the nationals it was disgusting. He chipped the guy in the six. Yeah, it was yeah, kind of like that. Was it? I don't remember. Yeah, it. I mean, Looked it was so up. magic. Oh, it was a sit there. That's probably why. That's yeah. the cerveja. I was probably wasn't watching. Yeah, so uh, now that we're we're in in sole possession or sole possession, yeah, we're we're in sole, sole possession, possession of the first, of place. first uh, place with one point ahead of Porto after Porto 
losing to uh, Silas's uh, men uh, in Belém. Uh, here's what uh, we got uh, remaining for the last six games. So we're we're uh, at Stubal. We host Porto. Uh, then we go to Sturil. Uh, then we have Tondela at home. Travel to Alvalaz and finish up um, with Murarense at home. Uh, Porto has uh, Aves at home. And then they come to Stadio Luz. Then they have uh, a midweek game against Sporting for the, the Portuguese That's Cup. That's meaningless. I don't care about that. And uh, they host Stubal at their stadium. They then have a very difficult game uh, in uh, Madeira Island against Maritim. Uh, they host Ferenc and they finish off in Guimarães. Uh, uh, Sporting uh, now has uh, Athletic Madrid this Thursday for the first leg of the Europa League, uh, whatever quarters, semis, no, it's quarters, quarters. right? Uh, then they have uh, Pas Ferreira over the weekend, probably on, on Monday. Then they have again Atletic Madrid midweek next week. They Then they go to Bulnes, uh, which, uh, by the way, Bulnes is taking uh, uh, points from all three uh, big the, clubs. I think that's the same day Benfica plays Porto. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And then... Uh, they, so hopefully uh, we get Fugits, Blue and uh, Red Fugits in, in Lisboa. <laughs> then they, they have that game, that second leg in sport for the Portuguese Cup. Um Host Boa Vista, travel to Portimonense, uh, then uh, host Benfica and close out in the Madeira Island against uh, Maritim. Um, I got to be honest with you guys, and, and I'm, I might be going on a on a big limb, and but I'll, I'll explain my reasoning. I think that I know it's early, and I usually don't like to to jinx uh, myself so then don't. On, on these things. But he, here's here's my here's my reasoning, and I think I already told Steve right. Knowing what we know about Rui Vitória in terms of being a man manager, uh, a super motivator, a guy that could rally the troops, a guy whose who's guys uh, value him as a person, as a coach, and that will do anything uh, for him just because of who he is and the motivation that he, is, that he, he brings, I think it would be very, very hard uh, for Benfica to lose this first stop this first uh, place uh, through the end of the season right now. And look, we've had the past couple of years where we've, we've seen um, what's, what's gone on in, in the later stages of, of the season. Uh, we've had uh, years where JJ has kneeled uh, at the Dragão and we all know how that, how that went. I just think that, that Rui Vitoria as a motivator and as a manager of men and at a time in a season where the mental aspect of the game to remain concentrated, to remain focused uh, is most important. Um, I think that Rui Vitória perhaps has an edge over uh, any other coach in the league, especially of the, the two oppositions. I just want to go out there. I didn't want to say it yet, but this is my, my reasoning behind uh, what I'm saying. So take it as you will with a grain of salt if you'd like. Uh, but to me, I think that it'll be very hard for Benfica to relinquish this lead. I, I basically share the same opinion. Um, there is the two matches versus player versus teams that um, in Porto and Sporting, we're going to have to be very tactically sound, which is something that I've always chose to to point my finger at with Rui Vitoria, but I think uh like you say at this stage of the season, as much as tactics will play a part, I think uh emotion and focus are probably uh a lot more important 
uh, at, the, at this stage. I mean, you, you look at the, those two games, and for me, I, I think we have the hardest run of, of the three, even though Sporting plays Atletico, uh, and Porto has a couple of their least favorite games to play, uh, especially Muritmo away. Um, but us having to play both our rivals with one of them basically, as far as I could tell, done and dusted, that could only really damage us. Uh, I think we have the hardest, the hardest draw left. But I, I'd have to say that I'm on the optimistic side at the moment. I mean, uh, we've now been given an opportunity uh, to approach the game versus Porto in a, in a slightly different way than we thought we were going to have to. Um, and with Rui Vitoria basically keeping the focus, keeping the emotions in check, keeping his players um, in a mental state that I don't want to say he can control, but one where he can predict what he's going to get out of them is is key. And, and I, I think that's where we are right now. I, I, I don't even... Because <clears throat> the end of this one, I jinx it. No, it's not about jinxing. I just... I, are you I, not confident? I respect you. I love you, but I can't believe you even said that. I mean, <laughs> well, about Vitoria? Yeah, the whole thing. Like Vitoria, I agree with you that he's everything you said he is. I agree with Steve on the most difficult schedule. I just disagree with the feeling confident over the top and 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 sitting there and and I disagree with you a thousand percent what you said. Uh, no, I don't. I don't say this. I disagree that you said it, right? You rather not, me not, have not said it. No, no, no. That I don't see Benfica relinqu relinquishing, you know, the the lead. We, we, ha I mean, that's great. And I hope you're right. Yeah, very <laughs> difficult schedule. I mean, you're bringing up Atletico Madrid's and a Sporting Tass. I don't give a crap about those. Those games to me mean they can win them 20 nothing, lose them 20 nothing. To me, it means absolutely nothing. The only thing I care about is the Liga games. And Benfica still has to play Porto at home. It has to go to Sporting. It's the two games of the season that matter the most. The two games that these guys have an opportunity to rob points off of one another. And it's fine that you that you feel that, but to say this early, you know that I don't expect Benfica to give up the lead. I, I think it's ballsy. You know, it's great that you believe it, right? I, I wouldn't have said it myself. You want to you want to know what game I'm the most worried about in Studio. these next six games? Studio. Studio. I get it, but Benfica can the letdown. Yeah, the let Benfica no, it, it's tie, not that. Benfica can tie Porto, lose to Sporting, Porto. I mean, there's so many variables in play that I, I'm to me. Look, I hope Benfica goes out there and spanks everybody. Yeah. Right, one nothing. Sink all the mo. That's fine. Every game, right? I have no problem. But hey, bro, look, I, 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 like, bro, the, the Porto one for me. The, if you beat Porto. I, I, it all counts on that. So you be Porto, then you I'm, I'm Porto, and you, ha you have you have a you have yep. a completely <laughs> different outlook. A tie versus Porto, it leaves is, the door open. Too many leaves the door open. It's that. it's scary. Um, yeah, because you know you know the Lagartos are gonna come in with oh no, Teus, sure. Figu, everybody's yeah. gonna come back. They're all gonna come out of the woodworks. Their yeah. guys are playing like like their lives are on the freaking line, right? The president might suit up Smart for that thing game. Is Renata guess. It looks that way. Sporting is running out of gas. That's they fine. got Atletic Madrid still. They got guys, to come from behind for, guys, to Porto. Guys, guys. 
Well, how no. short our short our memory was. Bring it back to December. Right? None of us thought we'd win. None of us thought we'd be sitting here. Not just that, but bring it right. back when Sporting is in on all cylinders. Benfica struggling. We're all like, Sporting's going to beat us. They come as they lose. Benfica give them a show. We look. It's a rivalry game. I can't sit yeah. here, right? And I just have to be fair, guys. And I'm sorry, but I can't. I can't sit here, right? And when Benfica's down and the opposition is up and try to put a positive spin and say, you know, it's a rivalry game. Benfica's going to show up only because, you know, it's rivalry. These guys are pro. And then not say the same thing back when it comes the other way around. It's the same thing. It's a rivalry game. Yeah. Chris, but your gut, your gut, your gut feeling now is you, Chris you don't, don't want have to jinx it. No, it's not about jinxing. Well, what's your gut tell you? Mike, I, I, honest to God, I, I'm, see, I'm a glass half empty type of guy. I'm not a glass half full I, type I of guy. I usually am too. I usually I, am too. I think I, it all comes down to what happens at the lose next weekend. Well, oh. two weekends. That if Benfica if Benfica win that game, to me it's it's a wrap. Forget about it. But if they tie the game, it leaves the door. There's nothing that's been decided. If they get a four point lead after that, forget. Unless Porto goes this weekend and slips up, and may, I mean that could happen as well. And I'm praying. That it happens, but if all things stay, this you know both teams win this weekend coming up, and they go to style to lose. And look, Porto needs to win, but Porto at the same time, I had this conversation when you walked in. Porto at the same time knows that a draw will be good. Is not not that it'd be good, but it's not the worst result because Benfica still has to go play at Sporting. And that's what worries me about that game. Exactly. Well, here, here's the thing: a loss, for, a loss for either team is huge. It might turn the game into just an absolute bore. Not really a bore, but one of those games that. Constant infractions, constant like stupid little fights and blah blah blah, and the game will just peter out. But did you say that Porto has all the pressure to win the game is inaccurate because Benfica, no. Benfica could put the could put the baby to bed. Yeah, yeah, we're we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves, and and we will discuss that that game next week. But if you remember, last year was the first was actually a year that we were in Portugal last year around around this time. I think that we were in Portugal. And if you remember, I think that Nuno Espirito Santo played with the fact that Benfica still had to play Sporting and didn't come to the Stade de Luz to, to win the game. He came to Stade de Luz to tie the game, to not yeah, give up. Well, to they lose. And then Benfica even started off the game, hit on all cylinders. They take the one nothing lead, and all of a sudden, switch went off. Benfica sat back. Well, yeah. Sporting, Moxie scored. Benfica turned the game around because now they're like... It, it's so, it, so many emotions going through one single game that... So many things could happen, but to sit here yeah. and say, like you said, with as much and I, and I love you for it, and I hope you're right. But I don't know if I was if I could be as confident. Like, yo, Rivitor is this magician, and all of a sudden, we're, look, <laughs> do I have any doubts that he's going to keep his guys grounded, win or lose? Hundred percent. I have no doubts in that. But I think it's too early to say that when you got your two biggest rivals, your two biggest games of the year, and in particular, this is not two biggest games of the year when it's early in the season or early in the second Balta. This is fifth. What is they'll have four games to go, fifth game to go in the seat, and then second, it's bro. It's it all comes down for all the marbles, and a lot of things can happen. I mean, look, it, whew, I love you, bro, and I hope you're right, and, and I hope to be celebrating. But I, I don't know if I had the same confidence. Yeah, so we will uh, we will discuss that uh, next week when we preview uh, the Porto game. Uh, but uh, we have uh, first we have Stubal to beat. Uh, the thing that worries me about against Sturil is the fact that uh, when they played that second half, there was a lot of doubt put on uh, on Sturil's guys, uh, their professionalism. And I think that uh, Sturil is going to play against Benfica with a, with a chip on their shoulder. Not only are they fighting to stay um, to stay in the first league, 
but they will have that extra motivation as if they needed any more motivation to play against uh, Benfica. So that's the game that worries me, to be honest with you. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know if you guys had uh, anything else to add. Dave, Dave, what's your what's your feeling? Are you cautiously optimistic? Yeah, I'm cautious. I threw up a stat there. Rui Vitoria's uh, record with six games to go. Last season, won four, drew twice against uh, Sporting and then Bulvisha the last game after we had already wrapped Clinched. it up. And then uh, in 2015 and 16, won 12 in a row to finish the season there. Yeah. So I'm cautiously optimistic as well. Well, you know, <laughs> in those last six games last year, they didn't have to play Porto and Sporting within three weeks of each other. I mean, yeah. it's just, just look, I have confidence Bifigo could keep this on the right path, but it's very tough. That's all I'm saying. I'm just, yeah. look, man, I, it, it just, I'm very cautious. I mean, talk about cautious, cautiously optimistic. Oof. But look, Porto has to go to Madeira, and if last I, year yeah, they but... dropped point, points in Madeira, and that's the next week we clinched. For the uh, yeah, that's right as well. So I I think this uh, this Porto team with all the injuries that they're uh, that they're going through at this point and not having a really uh, deep squad, uh, they're they're struggling, man. And we knew they were going to struggle sooner or later at the end towards the end of the season. Most likely. Falar muitos outros, right. We're hoping too let's, many things fall our way. Let's forget about. Let's that. wrap this up. So uh, as mentioned, Benfica will play Stubble this uh, weekend. That's what's uh, what's next up. And then uh, we'll see what turns out. Uh, Dave will be at the Porto game, by the way. So uh, good, uh, good deal. We uh, we were at the Porto game last. We tied. Season. We we lost to, to Stubal two years ago, right? In Stubal, we tied last year, right? No, lost last year. We lost last. Year. And we so, tied. So to sit here and start worrying about Portugal or Madeira, I no, think we should be yeah. worried about our trip to, yeah. to, to, to game is worrying me more than the Estrela game, to be honest. I feel this is a trap game this weekend coming up. It could yeah. very well be. That's, I mean, so... I, look, I, I think that uh, the way Vitória prepares his teams uh, is... I doubt very much that the team will get into a trap game for this game. So he prepared them differently in September? No, I, I just think that uh, he's a guy that uh, has the, the team focused sense. and the team is uh, is rolling. The team is is hit is as hit stride and what better time to hit stride right now i think that sporting in porto are struggling uh they're like crawling uh crawling towards the finish line as we were last year i don't know if you remember how many times if, we spoke about pizza being uh being thrashed. if we only had to play one of them in these last six games okay fine it's both i mean think about it. when you look at the schedule when the schedule comes out you look at certain games and those four games or those four games that you think, okay, Benfica could lose points here at some point. I'm not saying lose the game, but lose points. And you're playing these two teams within the last six weeks or five weeks when everybody's bunched up right there. And it's not like, okay, you slip up today, you still got 15 games to make up. It, it, it's difficult, man. Yep. It's difficult. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's all. That's Steve, all. Steve's just laughing at me. Like, that's all we got. No, Steve is kind of. Uh, are, are you cautiously optimistic also, Steve? I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I see everything that Chris is saying. Um, I just feel that we're in a pretty good moment. The other teams are not so good of a moment. And I really think that at this point in time, um, 
tactically we have the team in a moment where things are clicking, things are working. All four phases of the game, for the most part, are working. Yes, we haven't played uh, Porto Sporting for a few months. Uh, but things, for me, on the pitch are looking on the upside. Uh, and then add in what I value Rui Vitoria's coaching ability, uh, what I value in his coaching ability, the, the whole mental side of it, and how important that is at this point of the season, it's leaving me to be cautiously optimistic. Uh, but and on the exact same token, I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from, Chris, and I get it. No, I, I 100% doubt, get I, it. I don't, I don't doubt those qualities in Vitoria at all. If there's one thing I'm certain about, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. That's it. That he's going to keep his guys ground. He'll motivate him and he'll have a, that, no doubt in that. But again, guys, you guys don't know how I am. I call a spade a spade, and I have to be fair. If I throw out Benfica's form, when the other teams are on form, when we play each other, I got to throw out the form as well. Yeah. Go back two years ago. We all predicted a 3 nothing victory for, for Benfica at Porto. Porto was, Porto was arrasado two, two, two years ago. Terrible. They came in to decide to lose, and I think we tied, if I'm not mistaken. Or it might have been. I don't know. It wasn't a positive result for us. This year, the same thing. Sporting Benfica. Benfica put on a show, and the season clicked and turned on that game. Right? Benfica was not hitting on all cylinders. Sporting was terrific, flying high. So if I throw the form out the window to favor Benfica, my club, when Benfica's not playing well, and say, oh, you know, because I don't want to be negative. <laughs> Benfica's not going to lose 4 <laughs> nothing. Uh, uh, so when it's a rivalry game, we throw it out the way. I got to do it here now too, guys. That's all I'm saying. Ah, good, that's a good that's shout. all I'm saying. I have to be fair here too because at the end of the day, it's still a rivalry game. Yeah. All right, we'll get to discuss that next week. We'll have a, a nice preview for, for, for that game. Um, I think that's all we got for this week. Uh, we have one question uh, from uh, Tiago. Uh, and Tiago Teixeira. Tiago is the person that I referred to as Hugo. He's probably in Wyoming <laughs> by now. <I'm> <laughs> um, he, he, this is a very interesting question uh, and, and very good question. Thank you, Tiago. Uh, let's say Benfica never signed Seferovic and kept Mitroglou. Where is Benfica at the same stage we so are now? Hard. That's seems, so hard. Seems this sale of Mitroglou changed a lot of pieces around this season. Thank you guys. That, yeah. that, that's a it's it's a very awesome question, but it it's there's so many factors that you have to look at. Where I, where is this Benfica with Mitroglou? He thinks that many. For, to me, it's simple. If they don't sell them. They're still in a four-two-two, in a four-four-two. They, I don't believe they ever go to a four-three-three. Where is Krovinovic so uh, fit in this system Krovinovic, with the four-four-two? Krovinovic might actually be healthy because he probably wouldn't be playing as much. <laughs> 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 and and Zivkovic would have still been practicing at the beach by himself. It's it, it's one of those ifs that makes a huge, huge question. Yeah, but he, here's a big question: Does Mitroglou affect Varela? Varela, what? <laughs> it's just a joke. Oh, here I'm trying to freaking think of theories in my head, and you're bro. He scrambled my mind. I yeah, said, what the, what, Varela hasn't has an allowed goals in, in four games. Don't jinx it. Yeah, please, please. And he took out Ruben Diaz. Also, good thing we had uh, international duty. If if there was, <laughs> if, if there's, if there's th that's the one thing that's scaring me the most over these next six games because. See? Saves the ball always uh, in those temps. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let, let's do the Varela talk. 
The one thing I can say about Varela, has a theory about Varela. The one thing I'll say about Varela, Steve, is this, bro. That there's a lot of things that I've seen fans, right? And and diehard fans or whatever, lunatic fans, good fans, bad fans, whatever, right? There's a lot of things that leave me in awe. But one of the things that's, I mean, I think that's topped everything I've experienced in a Benfica, as a Benfica fan is the fact that there's actually fans out there, diehards, got to be diehards, blind, might, might, might be blind. <coughs> that, no, I'm not saying that. That that want to argue that Varela is this outstanding goalkeeper because he's got four games in a row without allowing a goal, so this guy's got to be the good. So that <coughs> that leaves me in like that's yeah. See that look when I read. I don't even know what to say. So, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. <laughs> hey, I hope he's a champion. Anyway, that's all we got. Uh, uh, don't forget to follow us on on Twitter, Cristiano. You can find Cristiano at ten co ten. Uh, at Steve Santos six, uh, Dave uh, is smart and is not on Twitter. At Bifiga Podcast is where you can find the podcast uh, Twitter uh, on there, um, and that's pretty much it. Now, uh, don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Uh, we also post a little bit, all the episodes on on Facebook if that's your thing. Uh, if you're not afraid of uh, your identity being stolen. Uh, so anyway, that's all we got. Next week we'll be back. We'll recap the Stuball game. We'll look ahead to the huge, huge game against Porto at Stadio Luz, a game where Dave will be at. Uh, thanks very much for for checking us out. And uh, again, our our condolences to the the families Absolutely. and then for the for for the loss. Uh, she will be missed. Um, We're here for you, Kevin. And uh, yeah, Damn, big uh, big shout and abrazo, uh, oh, Kevin. All right, everybody. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. And thanks for you guys, uh, the guys that were uh, watching this live. Uh, this will be available on iTunes and also on YouTube. Take care, everybody. Have a good uh, weekend and uh, Forza Befica. When I'm at the pearly gates, this will be on my videotape.